0: and to tell inspirational cattails. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to an all-new episode of Curl Up with a Cattail with Gwen Cooper. I am Gwen Cooper, your host, and delighted to be here with you today and to be able to wish you a very happy and healthy 2024. It is New Year's Day, bright and early, and I will say that I have already done a load of laundry, uh, because as those of you who are longtime listeners know, I like to get started on Mondays with an easy win, and since New Year's Day to this year is a Monday, I figured that even though technically it's a holiday... I would continue that tradition. And so already in the new year, I have done a load of laundry and changed all the sheets and I'm feeling on, on all the beds. Well, there, there's only two beds, the the actual bed and the guest bed, but nevertheless, I have done it. I've taken care of it. And I am feeling, um, I have probably an, an undue sense of accomplishment. Right about now. Um, although I will say that it's also so we have been kind of a sick house for the last couple of weeks, um, humans and cats, and I will tell you all about that in a moment. but I will say so I we we Lawrence ended up giving me a um, like a sinus infection that he had and one of the effects of the sinus infection that that I got and that I'm still working through um, and and it produced just an outrageously, sore throat for the better part of a week. Um, but one of the other side effects of this infection was I got something, it's um called cellulitis, I believe. And basically what happened was that on the left side of my face, um, everything from like my lower eyelid down to about halfway down my cheek became very puffy. Um, it looks sort of like when you get an under-eye bag, except that in this case, the under-eye bag stretched all the way from my under-eye halfway down to my mouth um apparently so this what this means is that the infection has spread out of your sinus cavities and is heading toward your eye it can be a dangerous thing in my case it was not um but the only reason i even feel that it's worth mentioning and it's not to like bog you guys down with my gross medical stuff is because gradually every day the the puffiness has been fading and i woke up this morning and it had faded to the point where there's just a little now right beneath the, 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 you know, right around the lower eyelid, but it's, it's just enough puffiness where it has smoothed out like all the lines around my eyes. And, and, you know, I have like, I'm starting to get like a little bit of a, of a bag and dark circles. I am a woman of a certain age after all, but right now it just looks so taut and smooth. And so literally my, my right eye looks like the before and my left eye looks like the after in, you know, one of those brochures that you get at the dermatologist's office or, or plastic surgeons. Basically, it looks like I had some sort of cosmetic or, or plastic surgery procedure on my left eye, um, which now looks a good 15 years younger than my right eye. And I'm kind of bummed at the thought that it's going to go away, that I can't keep it and that I can't somehow transfer it in addition to my right eye and, and have both eyes look like this. Um, I'm going to talk to <laughs> – I'm taking some pictures, though. I'm going to talk to my doctor and see. I mean, there probably is something, right? there. There is one of these like like rich girl procedures that you probably could do to maintain the effect permanently or somewhat permanently. It probably costs more than I would want to spend on something like that, but couldn't hurt to ask, right? So I'm, I'm starting the new year with one half of my face looking 15 years younger than the other half of my face. I'm considering putting an eye patch <laughs> over the other eye and getting a baseball cap and going out and um, trying to fool the world into thinking that I'm 15 years younger than I am. I- I'm kidding, by the way. I'm actually not one of those people. I'm really not hung up on age. Like, I am the age I am. Um, I always say that that aging is the absolute worst thing in the world, except for the alternative. And so I I wear my age and my signs of aging with pride, Um, having said that though, it, it was really nice. It is really nice to just kind of catch just the left side of my face in the mirror. It's very like, Hey now, who's, who's that? Who's that attractive young woman walking around in the house? Um, that would be me from certain angles, specifically when viewed from the left (laughs) before we, and, and I'm going to move on from this, uh, but before I actually talk about what we went through with, with Fanny, This week or over the past couple of weeks. I do want to add that later on in this episode, we are going to be talking to an incredible young woman, speaking of young, by the name of Sheena Yamazaki, who is the founder of Suncatcher Sanctuary in Arizona. And Sheena has basically dedicated her life to caring for special needs cats. And, and when I say special needs, I mean cats with fairly intense special needs, cats who are partially paralyzed, um, who cannot control their activities in and out of the litter box, cats who are blind. So she has a founded a sanctuary uh, where she cares for 18 of these cats and, and climbing and we're going to talk to her a little bit later in the episode but just such an inspirational and and remarkable story um just such an incredible person and really just one of those people who makes me feel very humble in the best possible way you know on the one hand i'm i am aware of how little I contribute as compared to some of you who listen to me who read my books who who write to me and yet I I am so grateful to know that there are people like you uh out there in the world it it really like I say I I'm very lucky to get to do what I do because I hear from so many amazing people and truly I had no idea when I sat down to write books about my cats that it would that doing so would put me in touch with such remarkable human beings and one of those human beings is going to be speaking with us later on in today's episode. But first, um, since this is Curl Up with a Cattail, I will tell a, a brief cat story, um, something that we went through with Fanny earlier this week. And and it really I think everyone listening will appreciate it because what, what this story really comes down to is one of those moments as a cat guardian where you really have to wrestle with what the right course of action is. And it's a nail biter all the way through because you're obviously not sure until the outcome happens. But let me rewind a bit and say that um, last week, and this was after Lawrence was sick, before I got sick. Again, I really don't think Fanny, you know, I I don't think it's the same thing going around. Um, Lawrence and I were sitting downstairs and we heard Fanny upstairs make this really agonized sounding cry um similar to a kind of cry that that Clayton makes before he throws up but this sound you know Clayton has his his sad sounding oh my tummy feels bad i'm about to be sick meow and and i'm sure a lot of cats besides Clayton have that um Fanny typically does not but she made a sound it was similar to that but it sounded much more pained and anyway to make a long story less long than it has to be. I went upstairs as soon as I heard her make the sound and she threw up um, and she didn't throw up a lot. And she mostly, you know, it was partially digested food and it wasn't, I, I've certainly seen cats throw up more. She wasn't throwing up bile. It was nothing like that. She, it was, I mean, it, it seemed like a pretty normal episode, except that immediately afterwards she staggered. And I do mean staggered because she was walking very, very slowly and unevenly, she staggered downstairs to the litter box and and immediately did some business in her litter box um and then she was afterwards intensely lethargic. you know, her staggering was a result of it it was like she didn't have the energy to move and this obviously was incredibly. Concerning to us, I I should back up and say that Fanny these days eats predominantly dry food. The reason for that is that Fanny's always had kind of a nervous stomach, and honestly, I found and and she was always too skinny. She was always underweight. She always had problems. I mean, again, I don't want to like gross anybody out, but you know, loose stools, things like that. We had her uh, for years on a probiotic, and finally, despite knowing that. A primarily dry food diet is suboptimal for cats, um, and also Clayton cannot have dry food in any large quantities because he had some urinary tract issues and he was kitten. But anyway, I, I finally made the decision i as, as sort of an experiment to put some dry food at a spot on top of a dresser that Fanny could get to easily but that Clayton can't get to at all. And honestly, it, it it was an experiment that worked very well. And Fanny gained a little bit of weight and her, her, everything, you know, her poop became very solid and she was much less nervous in general. She was just a, a, a sleeker, happier, more well-fed looking cat. Um, when I say she gained weight, she's still pretty skinny. She's just not underweight anymore. And this is all by way of saying that, you know, so I get a giant bag of dry food and I have an automatic feeder that I have set up that is, you know, so it's always dispensing controlled amounts of the food for Fanny to eat. And the the point being that it was hard to imagine that she had maybe just gotten a bad or toxic, you know, can of food or bite of something um, food related to her food. So then, of course, my mind is – because seeing Fanny react, I mean, obviously something has – you know, it's not just that she threw up. She seems barely able to move and and she also seems very uncomfortable. And my mind starts going to, is there something that we might have left on the floor of this house that could have found its way into her mouth? Fanny, unlike – you know, Clayton is always putting stuff in his mouth. It, It is a job of work. Keeping Clayton from swallowing something he is not supposed to swallow, especially wood and plastic. Like, I honestly think the cat has pica. Uh, pica is a condition in humans where they eat dirt and chalk and, and non food things basically compulsively. And I think Clayton might. Of Pika, because keeping stuff out of his mouth, he's like a dog. He'll he'll eat anything that is on the floor and small enough to fit in his mouth. Um, Fanny is much more like a cat in that she typically does not eat things that cats are not supposed to eat. But of course, you know, my mind starts going to, did did we accidentally leave like a staple or a thumbtack or, you know, one of those um, silica packets that they put in, in new coats or shoes to, to keep them dry, that it's, you know, supposedly toxic if it gets in your mouth. It, you, you start thinking of all these horrible things. And my first and immediate impulse was to take her to the emergency vet. Um you know I'm going down the ch- like she's thrown up. She seems maybe a little disoriented. She's definitely having a hard time getting around. Um and I called you know I've never been I've never been to the emergency vet in our area. But I called them and and got the paperwork started and we did the virtual check-in and you know I I I got Fanny into the carrier and and she was I, you know she was crying miserably in the carrier, and this was when i you know I, I I took a moment and I told myself to to stop and think because she would she was not continuing to throw up she was there there were did not seem to be any acute symptoms. It was like she had thrown up um something had made her stomach suddenly feel very, very bad she she basically came out of both ends, right? She threw up and pooped immediately. And, you know, now she just seemed exhausted, uh, but she – but there did not seem to be any continuation of the the acute symptoms, let's say. And Fanny, like I said, does have a history of having a nervous stomach, and the vet is not a particularly stre- – like, the vet's office is not a particularly stressful place for Clayton – um Clayton <laughs> the abc's of Clayton being that Clayton just likes to go where he gets attention Clayton actually enjoys being at the vet's office he does not enjoy not feeling well but he enjoys all the attention that he gets at the vet's office um Fanny again is much more like a cat in in just finding the entire veterinary experience to be intensely stressful. Now, we all have to do stressful and unpleasant things sometimes for the sake of our health, and it is what it is. Um, but I also, you know, if, if it's something really, obviously, if it's something related to your stomach, the first thing that's going to happen when you get very, very tense and scared is that any kind of stomach upset you already have is just going to get much, much worse. And I'm sitting there considering two possibilities. One, that fanny has been poisoned or or is experiencing some sort of acute toxicity and i am wasting valuable time by not getting her to the emergency animal hospital as quickly as possible on the other hand is the possibility that this is just a bad stomach you know it happens to all of us where for no partic- apparent reason your stomach feels really intensely bad and but only for a short period of time and um that in bringing fanny to the event i would be unwittingly exacerbating a problem that if left on its own would calm down on its own um so i decided to wait an hour and see how fanny did see if if the symptoms got any more intense um I also I I talked to my friend Melanie. If Melanie, if you are listening to the podcast, thank you again for uh, for your advice and for talking me down. And you know, sometimes you need to get a gut check from somebody else who is as concerned and 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 conscientious a a cat guardian as you are. And my friend Melanie, who's actually been on this show, Uh, Melanie lives in in on a farm in Tennessee and is a a wonderful animal caretaker in general. And um, definitely gave me a good gut check and. Was of the opinion that that maybe taking a wait-and-see attitude, at least for the next hour or so, would probably be the best move. Um and it seems like all Fanny wanted to do at this point, you know, once I let her out of the carrier, she just wanted to sleep. Like I said, she was not. You know, her, her, I mean, her ability to walk normally was already improving. She was walking straight, just very slowly and in a very tired way. I will tell you how, how worried I was about Fanny. um, And I'm going to digress a little bit, just for a moment. So, I've been living in New York for 20-something years. I've never bought myself a new winter coat. I have bought winter coats that are new to me, but I always end up going to a thrift store or a, you know, quote-unquote vintage store. Um, And I don't know why. I just never, you know, winter coats can be really expensive. And I've always been of the mindset, hey, if I can find something secondhand that is cute and at a lower price point, then why should I not? And this is typically what I've done. And the last time I bought a a winter coat um, was at a thrift store in London in 2016. That was the last new winter coat that I bought um, until – I was going to say this year, now it's 2024 – until November, uh, th- this, this past November of 2023, um, right before Lawrence and I went to Sweden to visit our friends who live there. Um, I bought myself, I think probably for the first time ever <laughs> – my adult life, a new winter coat. It was not ridiculously expensive, but it was probably twice as much as I have ever spent on a coat before it It was under a thousand dollars, just you know and and well under a thousand dollars when I say it was under a thousand dollars. I don't mean it was like nine ninety nine um it was well under a thousand dollars, just to you know I, I don't know what 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 price range you are imagining, so it did not even come close to breaking four figures, but it's um. Very warm. It's it's wool and cashmere and it's so warm and soft on the inside. And the reason I'm digressing to tell you about this is because Ms. Fanny um loves lying on warm, soft things. Fanny especially likes lying on something warm and soft that Lawrence or I have just been wearing. Um she really digs lying on things that smell like us. Lawrence, you know Lawrence's typical day to day uniform is jeans and a sorts in a short sleeve shirt, and in the winter he adds a hoodie i mean this is just when we're hanging around the house or or working um he puts the hoodie on when he gets chilly, he takes it off when he gets too warm, and Fanny's favorite thing is to lie in that hoodie right when Lawrence has taken it off. Um, so you can imagine this new coat with its you know very soft cashmere lining and it's you know, when I just take it off, all Fanny wants is to lie in this coat. Um I actually hang it up in my closet in a garment bag to protect it from moths. Again, those of you who are readers will know that we went through a serious moth infestation about six or seven years ago. I still occasionally, see moths from time to time in our house. I'm not sure what they're eating because I have all the wool, you know, anything that a moth might eat, like under serious lock and key, basically. But again, the point being, so when I come home and I'm wearing the coat, I take it off, I put it on the bed, I take the garment bag out of the closet, bring it over to the bed to put the coat in it. And in the 30 seconds that it takes for me to do that, Fanny is already curled up and lying on the coat. And I always have to chase her Off of it, Um, I was so concerned about her and and just about what might be going on with her. And this is, I I I took the coat out of its protective garment bag. I stretch, I spread it out on the bed. I kind of mushed it up a little because Fanny likes, you know, a little bit of. She doesn't like it to be just straight and flat. She likes it when it's like mushed up a little. And I mushed it up a little and I put it on the bed and and i and i moved a space heater so that it was like close by and i set fanny up in that and just let her sleep in my coat near the heater and i was sitting here thinking like you can you can destroy this coat just be okay just lie in this coat that you've wanted to lie in for, for weeks and weeks. Just lie here and feel good and feel better. And, and if, you know, if you get better, like you can have this for a bed. I don't care what you do to this coat. Just be better. Just be okay. Because um, it, it's such a nerve wracking thing, isn't it? When our cats are not well and they cannot talk to us. And so it, you are just constantly guessing whether or not they're feeling better Um, what it is that's wrong in the first place. Any decision you make, it's so hard to know if you're making the right decision. Um, As it turned out, this decision ended up being the right decision insofar as by, you know, Fanny, she was very, like, sort of weak um, and tired for the next 24 hours. But a few hours after she started sleeping in the coat, she got up and and wanted more food, so I, I gave her just a tiny little bit of her regular food um and she ate that, and an hour later, I let her have a little bit more just a little bit I started gradually reintroducing her to food and water um you know it was one of those nights where i, I told Lawrence and and Fanny and I slept in the bed, and Lawrence slept in in the guest bedroom um because I wanted to lock Clayton out, and I didn't want him to be by himself did not go super well, but it went okay. At least he had Lawrence. Um, But I also wanted to, you know, it was one of those nights where I, I, was, I always say, like, you sleep almost like you're in the military, where at the slightest, like, you think you're sleeping, but at the slightest movement, you are up and awake and ready to go. And so, like, every time Fanny got up and she seemed to want, like, more food or more water, I woke up too, and I was there and got her you know, appropriate amounts, uh, what I felt were appropriate amounts of, of what she needed. So that was our night. I, I stayed up with her most of the night and by the next day she seemed essentially normal, still a little tired, but other than that, normal. And so it's, it's kind of a mystery as to what caused this problem and what caused the reaction. Um, And I guess I made the right decision in so far as it turned out fine and Fanny was okay. And had I brought her to the vet, I probably, I definitely would have subjected her to unnecessary stress that would almost certainly have worsened her condition. Um, but I gotta tell you, I, you know, I still when I think about it, I'm still not entirely sure that I did the right thing. In insofar as if somebody came to me and said my cat threw up um and is now acting disoriented and very weak and she's having a hard time walking i would say you should take her to the vet right away that that would absolutely be the advice that i would give someone else um i had my reasons for not following my own advice now but you know sometimes you 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 wonder like my grandmother used to have a saying more luck than brains and so i wonder if this situation was an example of my having more luck than brains. Like, like, was I really right? Did I intuit correctly that it was just an upset stomach situation that would resolve itself like human upset stomachs do? Or did I just get lucky? Like, I made the wrong decision, but in this particular case, it worked out okay. I, I honestly don't know. Um, I cannot fully, my my conscience will not fully acquit me. But, um, But that's that. So that that's what's been going on around here. Um, Humans with sinus infections, Fanny with whatever bothered her tummy for a good 36 hours. Clayton has been fit as a fiddle. And, you know, I think it's a fair point to make that Clayton is probably pound for pound that the healthiest, uh, fittest one in our house. Clayton very rarely has any kind of health issues uh, of of any kind, really not since he was a, a very little kitten. Um, So I guess the moral of the story is that the secret to health and longevity is to lie around, um, overeat as much as possible, as as much as your human parents will allow you to overeat, demand constant attention, more attention than than anybody could possibly have the time or energy to give you – and not concern yourself about the effect that doing any of these things has on others. I, I think that, so again, lie around, overeat, demand constant attention. This, I think, would be Clayton, Clayton Cooper Lerman's tips to live a long, happy, and healthy life. And they seem to be working for him so far. So once again, as my grandmother would say, azoi, which I believe translates to something roughly equivalent to God bless. And on that note, uh, we are going to take a brief pause. And when we come back, we will be speaking with Sheena Yamazaki of Suncatcher Sanctuary. And because the name Sheena reminds me of my very one of my very favorite songs from one of my very favorite bands since I was a little, little girl, um, instead of the usual music that I play over the break, we are going to play the song that I first thought of, when Sheena first emailed me and told me about Suncatcher Sanctuary. So sit back, relax, get comfortable, and stick around for more Curl Up With a Cattail. for sticking around. I am particularly delighted to welcome today's guest, who is the founder of Suncatcher Sanctuary in Phoenix, Arizona, a lifetime care facility for cats with special needs, which I believe as of today is caring for 20 cats and counting. Uh, Please join me in welcoming Sheena Yamazaki. Sheena, thanks so much for being on the podcast today.
1: Thank you so much. It's such an honor to be here.
0: Well, it is, uh, I'm going to throw that right back at you and say that it is an honor to to be speaking with someone who has, I, I, I'm, you know what, I'm very impressed by what you've done, actually, so I'm not even going to try to give it this crazy buildup. I'm just going to let you talk about it. Um. So, but let's, how old are you, first of all, let me ask?
1: I am 32. I'm, okay. I'm like thinking in my head, I have to yeah. think first.
0: Uh, wait! Wait till you get in your fifties. Then you really have to wait. How old am I again? How is that possible? Okay, um, so you are thirty-two years old now. I will say that that one of the things that I I've been doing this for a while. I've been um, working with people in rescue and also people who are supportive of animal rescue. And one of the things that I hear most frequently is some version of "If I won the lottery." I would start a rescue organization. I'd buy a piece of land and fill it up with rescue animals. I would start a sanctuary for animals with profound special needs. Um, and you at at the tender age of 32 have done just that. You you have not won the lottery, is that correct? You are not a lottery winner. No. Not yet. (laughs) So um I I mean we really we want to hear about the cats. Um, but first I want to hear about your your journey to starting this sanctuary and when i say special needs cats by the way many of your cats have profound special needs they are paralyzed from the waist down they are incontinent some of them i mean these are you know they they have their wobbly cats with um you know cerebellar hypoplasia and and conditions like that um So so when I say special needs, you know, we have a special special needs cat Clayton hopping around with only three legs and technically he's special needs, but there's not much we have to do to take care of him. Um, So tell us about this sanctuary and how you came to start it and and some of the residents who are living there with you.
1: Sure. Um, so I started this sanctuary two summers ago. It's always been a dream of mine since childhood to save animals and, um, actually starting a rescue work, uh, kind of came in later in my life. And, uh, I was volunteering a lot as a teenager for various rescues and, um, Again, two summers ago, it. I just. I don't know what dawned on me. I decided to Google though how to actually start your five hundred one c three, and maybe the universe was telling me the timing's all right. But let I let me just say, so many great things. Right people, <laughs> and got my foundation started, and so I kind of jumped into it, um, regardless of whether I actually felt ready or not.
0: I was going to say that, you know, so many um, great things begin with Google. I actually Googled, Googled. When, when I wanted decided that I wanted to write a book, I Googled how to get a book published. And I always say that's how I got started in the publishing industry. So, again, for people listening, and I, I'm certainly not shilling for the Google Corporation, but truly the answers to so many questions of, of the things you dream about doing that you put off doing because you're not really sure how to get started, Um it really is not as hard to find the answers as you might think it would be.
1: Yes, I feel very lucky to be living in, in this world in the time where you can just basically, like you said, search anything on the internet, the answer pops out. And so I got started and um I already had a couple of dogs that I rescued that have special needs. Uh, fortunately they're still with me. And um I just always had this. Idea okay, so, that so I can only save so many animals during my lifetime, and so I wanted to go for those that are uh, less adoptable, quote unquote, because I think they're very much adoptable, um, and just those that are more vulnerable—the ones that are less desired. So you live with two dogs and eighteen cats.
0: <laughs> How do <laughs> yeah, the dogs who were there first feel about the eighteen cats who have come to live with them?
1: Luckily, they're very welcoming. They wag their tails. Um, at least one of them does. The other one's paralyzed, so she can't really wag her tail. And so maybe um, she doesn't like yeah, the they're cats. They're very welcoming. They're <laughs> very, yeah, they're very nurturing. So I'm very lucky to have them.
0: Now, so you you live in a in a just a regular home. Based, I mean, your sanctuary is also. I mean, the, the sanctuary for the animals is also your home. Um, so you are living in a home with 18 cats. And, and of course, one of the first questions that I have is that it can always be incredibly difficult to introduce a new cat, uh, before you even get to, to special needs issues. So, you know, what is that like? How, how is it, uh, how are the relationships among the cats and is it difficult bringing in a new cat?
1: Yes. um, That's a really great question. I do have two rooms that are dedicated to the cats. I live in a three-bedroom home, so I wanted to at least have one bedroom that's my own. Um, But the two other rooms are dedicated to the cats. And so a lot of times I do place a new cat in there for them to decompress. Um, And I don't know if this is the best advice, but I do kind of just after a little bit, maybe um, a couple days or so later, I start to introduce the cat to the other cats and kind of just throw them in there. Uh, Luckily, a lot of my cats are friendly and um, many of them are blind or they have cerebellar hypoplasia, which makes their movements a little bit slower. So the fights don't really occur in my household. Um, so everything has just kind of been working out. And, you know, tell me a little bit about the logistics, because
0: again, this sounds like, you know, it is certainly quite an undertaking to be a caretaker to 18 special needs cats. And and we're going to talk about the expense and the supplies for a moment. Um, but take us a little bit through the logistics. Do you have volunteers? Is this work that you all do, that you do all by yourself? And what kind of day-to-day work is involved with the care of these cats?
1: Uh, This is a single-person operation. I do everything on my own. And I hope to one day have an open space where volunteers can come in, maybe an open house where people can say hi to the cats and have um, more exposure. But as of right now, because I'm in my private home, I do everything on my own, um, and I do have a full-time job, so I will be writing an email, and then I'll clean. I will attend a meeting, and then I'll clean, you know, a lot of times I'll be doing something and then cleaning in between, because, uh, these cats, uh, especially the paralyzed ones, they are incontinent, and while I can place them in a diaper, um, they still do make a mess. So, I actually have a commercial floor scrubber. I'm cleaning my floors, scrubbing them every day. Uh takes about maybe two to three hours of cleaning. And I am running the laundry three, four times a day. So, uh, my day involves a lot of cleaning, as you can probably tell. Uh, you said the word clean and, about 15 uh, times. I rely. Realized- <laughs> <laughs> I rely solely on donations. So um, yeah, hopefully my goal is to be able to do this full-time and not have to have a full-time job on the side because then that allows me to really focus on my rescue work and continue to save even more cats.
0: You know, you, you said before that that helping animals, doing something for animals has been a lifelong dream and concern of yours. And, and again, I'm sure many people listening to this podcast can relate to that. I I would say probably something very similar about myself, but it's still, I mean, it seems to me that, that you have made a a commitment, a decision and a commitment to take it much further, I think than most people do. I mean, this really is what your life centers around is what it sounds like to me. I I would have to assume that, I mean, everything from day-to-day social plans to, any idea of, of, traveling, of taking vacations, anything of that sort. I, I mean, this, this is a real a huge commitment that you've taken on. Um, and so I guess, you know, my, my two questions would be what are, you know, was there anything that, that really, was there one moment um, when you realized that you were willing and, and maybe even eager to make this level of commitment and, 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 do you feel that it is sustainable?
1: I have
0: I'm not saying I don't think years. it is, by the way. I don't mean that to sound like a doubtful question. Just uh, I I mean oh, I'm yeah, no. so incredibly impressed by what you're doing.
1: Yeah, um no, that's that's a great point. Um this has been a lifelong uh dream like you said and um really it started in childhood. It was rooted in childhood where um, I didn't have many friends growing up. I had a hard time fitting in, and my pets at the time were my best friends. And so I always wanted to give back to the animals for what they have provided me. And so I've already made that commitment, I feel, uh, a very long time ago. And it just was something that I always strive to do one day And I'm living it right now. Um, As far as sustainability goes, it's probably not going to be sustainable to be doing this alone uh, throughout the course of my years. So I would love to bring in people that are like-minded and um, that could help me out. And again, uh, that comes with uh, just spreading awareness of my organization and uh, having an open space for people to come in and out, and um, hopefully I can move to to another place where maybe there's like a dedicated facility so that people can come in, more people, and volunteers can come in and help out. Um,
0: and people listening, by the way, who would like to make a donation or or see what you can do to to support. Um, Sheena's efforts can go to dot sanctuary.org. And that's S-U-N-C-A-T-C-H-E-R sanctuary.org. Um, Sheena, tell us a little bit about, you know, so so we've talked a lot about the cleaning and the logistics, and and, you know, obviously this is a difficult and challenging life that you have set up for yourself, but I would imagine that there are some pretty intense rewards as well. So why don't you um, why don't you talk to us a little bit about what is great and rewarding about living with so many special needs cats?
1: Oh, there's so many. Um, first of all, these special needs cats are just amazing. Uh, Gwen, of course, you probably know what it's like to live with a cat that has special needs, and you get to watch them uh, just thrive. And adapt so well to uh, their environment and their body. And that's something that is incredibly inspiring to me. I see my blind cats act as if they're not blind. I see the paralyzed cats climb up the cat tree and they're just snoozing. Um, to see those, it, it's it's just so rewarding and to be able to give that to them. and I receive, their love, and their mischievous acts and whatnot in tenfold. So they make me smile and laugh every day.
0: You know, I always felt, um, I mean, particularly with Homer, but one of the great things I think about living with special needs animals is that and animals in general do experience and perceive and think about the world very differently than than we do. And so that already, I think, becomes a a mechanism for looking at the world a different way yourself. But I think with special and special needs animals, that is even more the case. You know, I remember thinking like like Homer just thought about the world differently than I did. He experienced the world so much differently than I did, which made me think about different ways to experience the world, if that makes any sense.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: So. Are you, you know, in terms of of bringing animals into your home? And and it's funny because when when you and I first uh, talked about doing this interview on your website, it said that you had eighteen cats, and and then I think right before we began recording, you said you had twenty. So you are are still actively
1: taking animals in. Yes, correct. Um, and you know, people ask me, do I have a capacity? Do I have a number? And that is a question I ask myself all the time, but really it depends on what kind of cats I have at the time. And of course, with the nature of rescue work, the numbers do fluctuate. Um, but with a paralyzed cat, it is much harder. It takes more of my time and one-on-one care to take care of them, Uh with a blind cat or a cat that has a neurological condition that's mild, it's a lot easier to take care of them. And so it really depends on what kind of cats I have in the moment and decide which cat to intake and whether that cat will fit in with the current cats that I have.
0: And where do you, you know, where do you find cats who who may be good candidates for your sanctuary?
1: A lot of times, as of right now, uh, I take cats in from my local Humane Society. Unfortunately, uh, my county, Maricopa County, does not take in any cats in the shelter. So really the only way that I have access to being able to intake cats is through my Humane Society. Um, Sometimes I do take in surrenders, and uh, one cat was offered for free on a uh, craigslist so that's how i got in touch with the owners of that cat um so it really depends but a lot of times it is from the humane society um
0: tell us a, a story you know just about one i'm, I'm thinking because what we're, we're talking a lot in in generalities um but of course each and every one of these cats is is a their their own unique and wonderful individual. so so tell us the story I mean, just tell us about one cat. You know, one cat who. Um, I mean, it could be the the first cat you adopted, or the most recent, or just a a success story, a cat who's really blossomed in your care, someone who stands out. But, but tell us about about one of your cats.
1: Sure, I will have to go with Cece. She is my very first cat that uh, I adopted, who was blind, and she was really the catalyst of. Uh, starting this rescue aside from reading your book Um, and she was such an amazing cat. She is the mascot of uh, Sincatcher Sanctuary so she's on the logo, you'll see her and um, unfortunately I lost her uh, this summer but she will continue to be honored uh, through my sanctuary and um. Yeah, she she was just such a playful, amazing cat that welcomed everyone and really inspired me to continue to adopt cats with special needs. And tell us a little bit about the the name Suncatcher. I'm so sorry. I didn't catch that part.
0: I said, tell us a little bit about the name Sun Suncatcher and and how you came up with the name. Because Sun, Suncatcher Sun Sanctuary just sounds, uh, it's such a delightful sounding name. Uh, tell us a little bit about how you came up with that name.
1: Um, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, So, you know, Arizona is very sunny, as you may know. <laughs> yes. And I'm originally from L.A., which is also the sunny coast and so i was always inspired by this uh ringing sound of the sun and uh when i decided on the name suncatcher i just really had this inspiration that i wanted these cats to come in to this safe haven and uh blossom and be the sunlight uh you know just soak in and absorb all the sun and shine on their own and so that's kind of the hope that i put into the name Suncatcher sanctuary and um i feel like the cats are doing just that so i'm really happy with the name and it has uh in the Suncatcher. there's c-a-t in the name and so i just thought it was perfect
0: Right, I I have two more questions for you. Uh, The first is how many cats, if any, sleep in bed with you on on the typical night?
1: Oh, gosh, right now, (laughs) um, because it is actually getting a little bit chilly here, I would say about eight to nine cats are sleeping on the bed with me. I have a queen size bed. I also have my pug, Dixie, who sleeps with me on the bed as well. So, including her, I would say about nine to ten bodies are on on the bed at all times, and I am contorting in different uh, different shapes and waking up in the middle of the night often, and uh, wake up with back pain. But you know, it's it's all worth it. I don't have any boundaries. I'm I, I'm terrible at creating boundaries, so this is how it projects.
0: Sounds like it, <laughs> but, uh, but I think, uh, I think we, we all know how it goes, all of us listening. Um, and I guess the last thing I would say is, you know, make it, I mean, you, you have certainly a sympathetic audience in, in those who are listening to this podcast. So, so make an appeal. Um, what would you say to anybody who's listening, who's considering you know, helping you out, um, I'm assuming you have on your website, and again, that is Sun Suncatchersanctuary.org, and you have a donation button. I'm assuming you have an Amazon wish list as well. So to anybody who's listening who's considering helping you out, who might be on the fence, um, what what can you tell make an appeal? What what can you tell us to 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 push us over the edge into to giving you some support?
1: The cats here are treated as a part of my family they are treated with love, care, and respect for their entire lifetime. And I dedicated my entire life, my entire days to these cats and raising awareness and being an advocate for cats with special needs, which is not something that you see often yet. And so I want people to join community and consider raising awareness for them because they are amazing beings. All right.
0: And uh, again, that is suncatchersanctuary.org. Sheena Yamazaki, thank you so, so much for everything you do and for taking time out of your incredibly busy schedule to join us here today.
1: Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure being here. And thanks so much to all of you for listening.
0: I wish everyone a happy, healthy 2024. Don't forget to join us again next week for another all new episode. And that concludes this episode of Curl Up with a Cattail with Gwen Cooper. Don't forget to invite your feline loving friends to listen to new episodes along with you. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, find out how to get your name and your cat's name included in my next book, or leave comments or questions for me to answer in future podcasts, head on over to GwenCooper.com now. Thanks so much for joining me, and don't forget to hug your cat today.